joining us, or if this is your first, first Sunday with us, or maybe you haven't been around much this summer, uh, we've been doing a six-part series on the church. Uh, we've been talking about uh, what is the church, uh, what is church planting, uh, why should we plant a church, why should Emmaus Road be planting a church, and why should we plant a church in Oshkosh, and that's kind of what we're concluding our series with today, and then we'll be starting up in 2 Samuel next week. And um, yeah, it's just been really exciting. Uh, Dan has talked about you know, some of the needs uh, that we ha- have had as a congregation. Uh, if you look at our space issues, if you look at our parking issues, uh, part of it, you know, the reason for planting a church, just practically speaking, um, we need to kick some people out. So that whole back right section, <laughs> see you later, 50 people gone. And so that's, you know, practically speaking, uh, that's one good thing. Um, and there's other reasons, and we'll, we'll get into that, but uh, just excited about what the Lord is doing, and excited to, to be able to share with you. This will be my last Sunday uh, preaching here for a while, probably, and uh, we'll see. We talked about some rotations next summer, and maybe if uh, Dan gets sick or something happens, I'll, I'll come rescue him, but um, yeah, excited to, excited to be with you guys this morning and share God's Word with you. Uh, we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 2. And that's uh, the passage where we get our name Living Stone from. And so excited to dig into that. It's, it's going to be a little, we're having a little bit of a shorter service here, so I'm really going to be hitting some, some key things and going through this. Well, in, uh, in 2008, we lived in Beijing. And uh, if you remember the summer of 2008, something very exciting happened in Beijing. Uh, Beijing hosted the Summer Olympics. And you probably remember the Bird's Nest Stadium, that big, crazy uh, stadium that the track and field events were held in. That was like two miles from our apartment. Uh, Lindsay and I and her mom and her mom's sister, when they were visiting, we actually got to go to some events in the Bird's Nest. Um, but unfortunately, I didn't get to go to the most coveted event in the Bird's Nest, the men's 100-meter final. If you remember back to that year, if you were watching the Olympics, I remember sitting in my apartment, glued to the TV for the men's 100-meter final. The gun goes off. They're going down about 50 meters in. The one guy kind of starts to pull away from the rest of the pack. And you remember about 20 meters left in the race, he turns to the camera and showboats for 20 meters. And Usain Bolt broke the world record while breaking his stride and turning and showboating to the camera. And just blew the world away. 19-year-old Jamaican um, just shocked the world. And he would go on to win eight gold, gold medals. He would go on to dominate sprinting, be the fastest man in the world for nine years. Um, and just this last couple weeks, uh, they had the world championships in London. You probably know where I'm going with this if you've been following the news and, and paying attention. Uh, I think three weeks ago from yesterday, they had the... 100-meter final. Well, he placed third in that, and that was kind of sad for him. You know, didn't get to go out on top as the world's fastest man. And then he, but he had a chance to redeem himself in the 4 by 100-meter final with the rest of his teammates. Well, he's running the last leg of the 4 by 100. His teammate comes, hands him the baton. He takes it about two strides. Oh, pulls up, pulls his hamstring, collapses on the ground. So here's the man who's dominated the world for the past eight years, fastest man in the world, undisputed, eight gold medals, laying face first on the track, did not finish, no medal, and that was his last race. One headline said that his 
Usain Bolt's glittering career swan song came to a crashing halt as he pulled up in the men's 4x100 meter uh, final leg. Well, what, I mean, can you imagine being him? <laughs> can you imagine thinking, here, here I am, I've been the fastest man in the world, I've been the top of, of my sport, and here he is laying on the track. Uh, all the questions that probably just in that moment were going through his mind, and then the days to follow and the weeks to follow. Like, who am I? <laughs> I? I don't have that title anymore. I'm not the fastest man in the world anymore. These, these ideas of identity and, and being at the top is just gone in an instant. One hamstring pull, and it's all gone. Um, but I think, you know, Usain Bolt is probably, he's more than just a world-class sprinter. Uh, he's a son, and he's a brother, and I'm sure he's a friend to a lot of people. And so you think about these questions of identity, and we think about um, what we're doing here. Who are we? You know, we're asking ourselves a lot of these same questions. Now, none of us are probably world-class anything. Um, we're not world-class sprinters, but who are we? And, and why are we doing what we're doing? And I think as we think about planting a church in Oshkosh, we've been talking a lot about our identity uh, as a church, what def- what's going to define us, uh, who are we, what are the things that we're going to be about. And we go, we're going into a city that I think in a sense has a little bit of an identity crisis. Um, Oshkosh has had a lot of kind of claims to fame over the years, things like Oshkosh Bagosh and, and the lumber industry and all these things, Sawdust City and now it's Event City, and you have EAA, and you have Summerfest, or uh, Country USA, and Life Fest. Life Fest, not Summerfest. I can't even keep track of them. There's all these festivals. It's just crazy, all the festivals that are going on in Oshkosh. And there's this, there's this kind of thing where, like, everybody wants to come there, but nobody wants to stay there. And we want to be a church that comes into a place and says, Let's love this city. Let's come in and serve this city and make this a place where people want to live, where people want to stay, where people want to raise their families. And our vision at Living Stone is that we are a community of Christ followers, so that's our identity, called to know, love, and serve God and others, and that's our calling. So a community of Christ followers called to know, love, and serve God and others. And we get our name, Living Stone, from this passage here in 1 Peter chapter 2. And really a lot of these things that we're talking about doing, a lot of these things with our identity and our vision statement, really kind of come from this passage. So as we think about this identity and who we are and what we're doing, why should we plant a church in Oshkosh? We're going we're gonna to look at 1 Peter chapter 2 here, verses 4 through 12, and we're going to see what Peter has to say, and we're going to see how that kind of has spurred us on to do what we're doing. So follow along with me here. It's printed in your worship guide. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 12. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense." 
They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. The word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the work you're doing uh, in this church, the work you're doing in sending out Livingstone Church. We thank you for your word that leads us and guides us and directs us. We thank you for the joy and the privilege that it is uh, to spend this time hearing from you, hearing from your word, and seeing how you called this early church, you called these people to yourself, and you sent them out into the world to live for you. May we do the same, Lord. May we honor you with our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I think the first thing we see in this passage is that Christ is building his church. Uh, That's what we keep talking about over and over as we're going to plant Livingstone. Christ is building his church. We see that right here in verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone, this is talking about Jesus Christ. He is a living stone. He is our firm foundation, but he's alive. He's not a dead stone just sitting there in a building. He is alive. We come to him. He's rejected by men, but in the sight of God, he's chosen and precious. And then it says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So for us, this picture of our congregation, the, the people we're taking from out of here, being built up together, stone by stone, not as actual physical stones, but as individual people and individual families, people being built up into the church built upon Christ, the living stone, we're being built up as living stones. And I just love that picture. Uh, it's organic. It's, it's Christ doing his work. It's him building his church. And we have a blessing to be a part of that. And as you think about this picture of, of bricks and, and stones being built up, you look around Appleton, you look around Oshkosh, how many of these old churches are, are dead? There's nobody even in them. They're completely sitting empty. Uh, maybe they've already been sold. They've been turned into apartment buildings or they've been turned into, uh, there's a church right down the street from our house that we were looking at, we were really interested in. It needs a ton of work, unfortunately, but I think some guy bought it and he's turning it into a music studio, beautiful sanctuary, and it's like, ah, oh, like no. And so that, this is happening all over because there's, there's just dying, there's dying congregations, there's dying churches and, you know, Dan and I, we talk all the time, like, we don't need a building. Uh, we don't need the, the physical structure because the church is not about the building. And I think we see that here uh, in, in 1 Peter chapter 2. But just this picture of Christ is building his church. And it's, it's sad to see those things that are happening. But at the same time, we can say, you know, those things are going to pass away. Those, those buildings are going to crumble. But Christ's church is going to remain, and, it's, and that's our hope and our prayer, that Emmaus Road and Livingstone will remain 
maybe until the Lord returns, um, and not as a physical building, but as a congregation of people who love him and who serve him. Uh, Verses 6 through 8 there, I'm not going to go through all that. There's a bunch of quotes from the Old Testament. This is a great passage if you want to like dig in and do some cross-referencing and see all the things Peter's talking about from the Old Testament. Some great stuff about who Christ is and these things in the Old Testament that pointed forward to him. But we're going to look at verses 9 through 9 and 10 here. And this is kind of the second thing. We see that Christ is calling a missionary people. Christ is calling to himself a missionary people. I love what Peter does here. Uh, he, he has all of these words that he uses to describe who they are, and these are all corporate words. These are not individual words. These are corporate words about their identity. He calls them a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Um, just in the, as we're kind of heading into uh, getting close to Reformation, 500 years anniversary of the Reformation. This was a huge emphasis of Martin Luther at the time of the Reformation, the priesthood of all believers, that we are all priests. We all can come before the Lord without an intermediary. We all can come to Christ and be saved and have communion with God. So, and so there's, you know, that part of it is there's an individual element. But this idea of a priesthood uh, is corporate, a holy nation this corporate, a people for his own possession. So he, he gives them that identity. Who are you? And then I love verse 10, uh, or sorry, the second half of verse 9, that there's a purpose for this identity and, and who they are. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so it's this idea that we were in darkness, God has called us out into his light, and he has called us to proclaim his excellencies to other people. And there's something really cool about this word here, proclaim. It's actually the only time that it's used in the whole New Testament. And it has the meaning of uncovering something that was not known, taking something that was hidden and making it known. So you, do you see what Peter is doing here with this word proclaim? He's saying, you were the ones who were hidden. You were the ones who were lost. You were the ones who, in dark, who were in darkness. And God has called you out of that and saved you. He's uncovered you. Now you are to go and proclaim. You are to go uncover the truth of who Christ is and make that known to other people. So that's, just, that's a really awesome thing there about who, who we are and what we're called to do. And then verse 10, uh, you may kind of vaguely... Or recognize this if you are familiar with some Old Testament uh, prophets. Verse 10, when you were, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have rece- received mercy. This is actually from the book of Hosea. Uh, if you remember, God called Hosea, his, his prophet, to go and marry a prostitute. And that was like, whoa, what's, God, what are you doing? Uh, he was told to go and marry a prostitute, and that was to be a picture of Israel's unfaithfulness to God. And then Hosea and Gomer had three children together. Uh, the second child was called uh, Not My People, and the, th- the third child was called No Mercy. And then so, th- so there's this curse against Israel that they're, I'm, I, they're no longer going to be my people. I'm not going to show them mercy. And then as the book unfolds, God kind of reverses that curse and says, I will, I will say to not my people, you are my people. And I will say to, to no mercy, uh, I will have mercy on you. So, so Peter here is using that picture from the Old Testament 
Again, God calling his people out of darkness into light, kind of reversing that curse, reversing the things that were against them, and calling them his people and having mercy on them. So just, again, a beautiful picture of of who we are in Christ and what God has done for us. And then the third thing uh, in verses 11 and 12, we see that God is calling an exiled people and he's sending them out into the world to live lives that glorify him. So here Peter says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your souls. So there's this idea that you're a sojourner, you're an exile, you don't, you don't belong to this world. This world is not your home. You're, you're just passing through, just as a sojourner would have passed through, or you're, you know, you're in exile, you're in, you're in the place where you don't really ultimately belong. So abstain from the passions of the flesh, and there's this, which wage war against your soul, there's an idea that it's going to be hard. We're going to be in a spiritual battle uh, in this life. And then keep your conduct among the Gentiles, that is, the, the non-believers around you. Keep it honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of his visitation. Now, some people may say, oh, well, this is just works righteousness. This is just, oh, just be good, and that's how you become a Christian. Well, Jesus in Matthew 5, 16 said, let your light shine before others so that when they see your good deeds, they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. So this is not just Peter saying, oh, we just need to be good. We just need to act good as Christians. Jesus taught the same thing. And that's, it's not incompatible with saying that we are saved by grace alone. We are to live out our calling. We are to live out the gospel by doing these things, by having honorable conduct around, uh, to the world around us. Well, kind of bringing it back to, to how I started with um, Usain Bolt. Uh, had a, he had a uh, press conference after the final race, and uh, if you've got nothing better to spend you know, 15, 20 minutes on, it's actually, it's actually really good. Um, it's on YouTube or whatever. Uh, second question that was asked, Usain, how do you want people, or how do you, how do you think you will be remembered? After this, how do you think you will be remembered? And he said, one race is not going to define me. <laughs> I've done so much for, for this sport. I've had a great career. One race will not define who Usain Bolt is. And as we think about this idea of, of passing the baton on, as Emmaus Road passes on the baton to Livingstone Church, as we, as we go out and we trust the Lord and it's going to be, there's going to be challenges. Um, there's going to be hard times here, and there's going to be hard times there. There's going to be things that we're all going to need to trust the Lord with. But as we pass that baton and as we run this leg of the race, uh, the reminder is that even this next leg of the race, even these next couple months, those things don't define us. Uh, if we have struggles over the next couple months or even the next couple years, those are not the things that ultimately define us. How we run this race for the rest of our lives, how we run this race as a church for the the future as we trust God, those are the things that are going to define us. How we walk with him, how we trust him. Uh, Our identity is in Christ. Uh, It's not ultimately in what we do. And I think that's why I use the Usain Bolt illustration because he's saying it's who I am isn't what I've done on the track. Um, And who we are as Christ followers isn't, in the success of anything we do. It's not even in the success of, of our church plans. Um, 
but our, who we are is in who God has called us to be, who he says we are. Again, back to these things in, in 1 Peter here. This is who we are, and we are called to do certain things. We are called to, to walk with him and to trust him. And so that's what I want to encourage you all with as, as we prepare here in the next month uh, to launch out, as we prepare to leave. Don't get, you know, Emmaus Road and Livingstone. Let's not get caught up in necessarily like how we're doing, how this leg of the race is going. Our eye is, our eye is on the prize. And this, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And so Let's trust the Lord. Let's walk with him. Let's be those who proclaim his excellencies to the world around us. And we need to do it together. We need to do it corporately as his people. And we need to spur one another on. So that's my encouragement to us. Let me close this in prayer. Father, you are good. We praise you for uh, just all the work you've done here at Emmaus Road. From, from calling Dan and Aaron to come and plant this church. Uh, from bringing us back uh, from China, from bringing all these people here, from bringing people from Oshkosh, uh, people from Ripon, uh, people from, from many different places around the area, and for calling us to, to go out and, and reproduce and plant a new church. Um, we're excited about the work you're doing. We're excited to be a part of it. Uh, we look forward to running this race together for many years to come. And we are excited about the opportunity to live for you and to give you glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.